Looking back at life 100 years ago in Kilkenny, this is the History Show on KCLR. With thanks to the Heritage Office of Kilkenny County Council and the Commemorations Unit of the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaeltacht, Sport and Media. Hello, a very good evening to you. You're welcome along to The History Show with me, John Moynihan, here on KCLR. I'm with you until 7 o'clock as we continue to look back on events in Kilkenny 100 years ago. It's another busy programme this evening as we tell the story of the executions at Kilkenny Military Barracks in 1922. Coming up on the show, researcher of Kilkenny Military Heritage and former Commandant at James Stevens Barracks, Larry Scallon, takes us on a tour of the military prison at the facility and the very spot in which, it, in which it's believed that John Murphy and John Phelan were executed. Filmmaker Kevin Hughes on his upcoming picture, Dear Mother, which depicts the Kilkenny military executions based on the letter penned by John Murphy to his mother. And a look back in time as we listen to some of the most popular Irish peasant songs of 1922. So all that and plenty more to come on this evening's show, I do hope you can stay with me. As always, if you want to get in touch with the programme, you can text me on the KCLR text and WhatsApp line, that's on 083 306 9696, and that of course is in association with dinnersready.ie, or you can email the programme at thehistoryshow at kclr96fm.com. We've got a Break to take straight away, but when we come back, we'll be hearing from Larry Scallon. Turning the clock back to 1922, you're listening to The History Show on KCLR. With thanks to the Heritage Office of Kilkenny County Council and the Commemorations Unit of the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaeltacht, Sport and Media. The History Show on KCLR, a 10-part series on KCLR every Tuesday from 6pm. The greatest aspect of him in the Irish, uh, the Irish uh, Civil War seems to be applying for the pension afterwards, which seemed to be a process that went on for about 25 years. I'd love to find out more, so if anyone does know anything more about any of that, I'd, I'd always be interested to learn more. You know, a scary time and it's something that Kilkenny maybe wouldn't have liked in the history books to, um, you know, be the place where the Irish Civil War started. So anyway. Join KCLR on this discovery of Kilkenny 100 years ago every Tuesday night from 6pm. The History Show on KCLR. With thanks to the Heritage Office of Kilkenny County Council and the Commemorations Unit of the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaeltacht, Sport and Media. The Aer Lingus takeoff sale is now on. We've taken money off fares across North America with flights from €149 Euro each way as part of a return trip. So you can take off to see leafy Boston in fall, take off to the hustle and bustle of New York, or take off to Starspot in LA. Take off with Aer Lingus. Book now at aerlingus.com. Offer subject to conditions and availability. Travel between November 1st, 2022 and March 31st, 2023. EPT Carlo, your workwear and power tool specialist. Shop open six days a week or order online for next day delivery nationwide anytime. Or try our call and collect option. EPT, your favourite supplier of workwear, gardening, welding and tools with all your favourite brands. Snickers, Steel, DeWalt, Bosch and much more. Better still, EPT service what we sell. Buy online at ept-irl.com. In Ireland, we love our sport. But whatever the game, there are things we'd all love to change. I'd make the pitch smaller. But if you're a person from a disadvantaged or underrepresented group, changing the game can mean something very different. I want to be judged on my performance, not on who I am. 
Sport Ireland is working to make everyone feel more included. Find out how we're changing the game at sportireland.ie forward slash sport The History Show on KCLR with John Moynihan. And you're very welcome back to the History Show here on KCLR, the heart of Carlo Kilkenny. To kick the programme off this evening, we're going to hear from Larry Scallon. Larry is a researcher of Kilkenny military heritage and a former commandant at James Stevens Barracks, who retired from the Defence Forces in 2012. Since his retirement, Larry has endeavoured to develop some of the historical stories from bygone days in Kilkenny, and he's in the process of documenting them on a podcast titled Tales from the Barracks Walls, which will be released later this year. Recently, Larry brought me on a tour of the prison at the Kilkenny Barracks. Here's how we got on. Okay, John, we're now at the Detention Barracks Exercise Yard. It's another part of the barracks here. This whole uh, complex was would have been one of the earliest buildings finished uh, when uh, the British uh, engineer officers were uh, building the barracks because uh, the British Army at that time was very reliant on very strict discipline to enforce the regulations. So if you didn't have a detention barracks or somewhere to lock up a, an offending soldier, you know, he was going to get away pretty light, respectively. So so, so this was finished. But, but uh, the story I'm going to tell now relates to, the, unfortunately, the Civil War executions which occurred here on the 29th of December, 1922. In October 1922, around the 13th of October, there was a Civil War uh, raid conducted by Republican forces on a farm out in Sheastown called Sheastown House. At that raid, a number of items were removed for the use by the Republican forces. The guys got away on that night and subsequent to that there would have been a developing anti-treaty operational activity in South Kilkenny in early December. Upper, uh, you know, uh, the, the barracks in Callan was taken and it was the barracks in Mullinavat was taken and other places were taken and this was having a very negative impact on G- General Prout, the boss here. So action had to be taken. So there was some information about the guys who carried out the raid in Cheestown House and uh, there was a raid conducted out in Bishop's Lock near Bennis Bridge where a number of guys were arrested. Two of them were John Murphy from uh, Bennis Bridge and John Phelan from Thomastown and they were brought in here around the 13th of December 1922. So we're now in inside the detention barracks and we're outside the cells where in all likelihood John Murphy and John Phelan were incarcerated. So on, on, on the 22nd of December, about a week later, Commandant Mooney, the legal officer representing the Judge Advocate General, Cahir Davids, uh, was in the process of forming a board to be the court martial board. And that was happening uh, in the orderly room, which at that time was down close to the main gate where you came in today. And there was a bit of activity going in, in on in the office he was in. And he said to the assistant adjutant, Lieutenant Murphy, listen, clear this office, it's too busy. So instead of Murphy standing up and just saying, clear the office, gentlemen, he called out the guard. He got two privates from the guard room to come over and they were armed. And the two, he said to the two privates, clear this office in a very important fashion, I'd assume. So the two privates were hushing out the four or five individuals who were in the office. And in doing so, uh, a a couple of the officers who were wearing civilian clothes were a bit slow to move. And a private, Edward Kenny, cocked his rifle. 
to encourage them to move faster. And they were moving a little bit faster, going out the gate, out the door. And as Private Kenny was going through the barrack room door, his cuff of his jacket got caught in the door handle, causing his finger to squeeze the trigger. And he discharged around and he shot Staff Captain Frederick Lidwell in the head, mortally wounding him. He died about four minutes later. After, luckily enough, just in time for the priest to give him, anoint him, and he died. Now, these two guys, John Murphy and John Phelan, are down here in their cells, not knowing what's going on, really, other than they're arrested under the Emergency Powers Act, and they, they had been found in possession of illegal arms and ammunition, so they were going to be court-martialed. Down at the far end of the barracks, and we have all this happening, uh, and, and uh, uh, Captain Lidwell is dead. But ultimately, Cominant Mooney goes on, convenes the board, and the court-martials are held before Christmas, and the two guys are sentenced and executed uh, to be shot dead. The, the paperwork concerning the, the court-martial board was sent to Dublin. The judge advocate general, Cahar David, has some questions about the administrativeness nature of the court-martial board and he recommends that the executions do not go ahead. The military council in Dublin overrule the judge advocate because I would say now they saw so much activity happening in South Kilkenny, the IRA were getting very active, they needed to impose the authority of the free state in Kilkenny right now. And they knew they had strong support within the county because in the recent uh, general election, all four TDs that were returned in the Carlow Kilkenny constituency were pro-treaty. So the two anti-treaty guys got about 25% of the total vote. The, 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 all the pro-treaty candidates got 75% of the vote. Here we are, Larry, we're outside now. Um, can you explain for our listeners, I suppose, what's the significance of this exact spot that we're standing in? Okay, so now we're in the exercise yard. So every prison has an area where prisoners at some point in the day will get out to do some formal form of exercise, like walking up and down. Uh, and this, you can see here, the walls are at least 30 feet high. They're actually at the top of the walls, even back in the day, they put broken glass into the top of the walls to stop people if they were. I don't know how they were going to climb that wall, but there was just another form of, uh, uh, of keeping you in here. And if you look at the windows, you can see that the windows are all barricade. Well, they're not barricade, they're barred. And behind the bars, between the bars and the glass windows, you can see uh, metal sheets. Well, they were put there to stop prisoners uh, pushing messages out to each other back in the day, because one of the little panes of glass in the, in, the, in the cell used to open to allow a little bit of fresh air in, but you couldn't actually throw down something. That, that, right. that sheet of steel would stop it there. And, and was contraband an issue? Oh, I, I'm sure it must have been, or even messages like, uh, you know, how's Joe, or how's your mother, yes. or, or, you know, little messages, like forms of communication, because prisoners in different cells would never have been allowed to mix at the same time down here. Okay. You were in your cell with whoever you were in there with, and, and, and you didn't mix with other, other prisoners, or at least it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be the norm for you to do that. So this exercise yard then, we have now turned it into a memorial garden. And we started this around 2012. Uh, and definitely by 2016, we uh, managed to get a turn. These are seven old slates off the officer's mess roof, paid for by the British Crown and 
suppose, 1802 or 1803, and we turn them into symbols of Irish national identity because they now have the images of the seven signatories of the proclamation engraved on them. And they were designed uh, by a gentleman called Blaise Smith, who's a local artist here in County Kilkenny. And we have the proclamation up on the wall uh, of the provisional government of the Irish Republic to the people of Ireland. And that was donated by then Mayor of Kilkenny, Joe Malone, uh, who's still a county councillor. And Joe, Joe is a former soldier here. He was a medic here for years. And this whole space then was officially opened by uh, Major General Kieran Brennan when he was a serving officer here. So, so we've turned it now into a memorial space. But it was very functional back in the day. It was a place for a prisoner to exercise. And this little tiny alcove here was what we fondly remember as the prisoner's kitchen. So they would have been able to as I say to people, prepare their bread and water mm-hmm. <laughs> in there, if, if that's what they got. But more importantly, uh, on the morning of the 29th of December, uh, it is more, most probable that the, 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 the very location that John Murphy and John Phelan were positioned by their executioners is up against this wall here. And we, we can say that with some certainty because after we cleaned this whole place down around 2012 and we took all the old ivy off the walls... Uh, we did a survey. Uh, so we were curious, and we discovered that there are two bullets embedded in the wall here. So if we move over here a little bit, you can see that there's a bullet stuck in the wall there, and there's the back end of another one there. Now, there's not many reasons why you would have bullets uh, in, in, in embedded in a wall, do you know? So we have it protected with a sheet of perspex now, so to stop anybody, I suppose having a little root because that one that one there used to be actually more covered you know Mm. Uh, and we had to just put a bit of perspex there to protect it uh so so we can't say for definite right that this is the spot but why else would you have bullets embedded in a wall after i came back here in 2010 and the museum had already opened with jim and deji mccauley and martin barrett and uh then lieutenant colonel joe mulligan and then uh, Kieran Brennan, uh, everybody got vested in it and I came back and a gentleman came up to the museum one day to visit from uh, uh, Road House and Kilkenny Archaeological Society and his name was Edward Law and Edward said to me, Larry you do know that I live in the house that the boys were arrested of. I said, Edward, what arrests? Nobody remembered that the executions had happened at all. So only for Edward talking to me around 2013, 2014 and God rest him, Edward's dead now, uh, the story would, we probably, it would probably have come out now because we're getting near the centenary anniversary, but it wouldn't have come out when it did and we were able to find out what we were able to find out. The guys are marched out, they're put up against the wall here. Uh, they're shot dead together. There's only records of one volley of shots. There's a, re- a report in the newspapers by a gentleman who, who is said to have been a relative of John Murphy said that he only heard one volley of shots. It is known that there was two priests present Father Dre, who was the barrack chaplain, and Father Kavna, who was the parish priest of St. John's. So we would imagine that the, the priest would have been with them spiritually uh, for the, 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 the last, you know, while they were in their cells and brought out here, and they would have then anointed them uh, as soon as they were both shot and, and they were lying, uh, I assume here, mm. dying or dead on the ground. They, both John Murphy and John Phelan are buried in the barracks here, in unconsecrated ground until 1924. And funnily enough, three guys that were executed in Wexford in 1923, Crean, Parle and Hogan, their bodies were buried alongside Murphy and Phelan, then uh, unknown to everybody in County Wexford. And uh, 
they were they were not handed back to their families until 1924, two years after the executions. John Murphy and John Phelan currently uh, lay at rest in, uh, I think it's called St Mary's Graveyard in Thomastown, opposite the church there on the hill. And I've been there and I can't find their headstones and I believe that both of them now rest in unmarked graves in Thomastown Cemetery. It's one of the more solemn parts of our rich historical tapestries here in Kilkenny, isn't it? Yeah, well, you see, we've always used the mistreatment of Irish people by the British in the form of executions, you know, uh, going back to the Manchester Martyrs and Robert Emmett and Father Murphy and all the people as being a, a way to stoke up an Irish national identity and to create a, you know, an, almost an anti-British feel that, 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 that validates our desire uh, you know, for independence uh, as it was. And here it was at our first opportunity when we were just after becoming a free state or an entity of our own, we used this savage form of ultimate, you know, uh, sentence ourselves. 77 Irish men were executed by under the Emergency Power Act. Did it end the civil war quicker? I would say yes, it did, you know. It, does that make it easier to swallow now? No, it doesn't. But what I will say is to me, like whether you were, and it doesn't matter, whether you were on the National Army side or the pro-treaty side in 1922-23 or on the anti-treaty side in 1922-1923, in today's world, we all benefit from a country that all those people created. Well, it doesn't matter, forget about sides. We're all Irish. And once you accept that now, and that's why it's so important that we ethically commemorate events like these executions. Like, but as important as John Murphy and John Phelan are, Frederick Lidwell's life, his eight pints of blood was equally as important because he was shot dead seven days earlier and he was a young staff captain in, in, in the Irish army. Do you know? I suppose on the evening of the 28th of December, 1922, both John Murphy and John Phelan, who were as we've already said, locked up in, in their cells, uh, would have been given the opportunity to write letters home. We have John Murphy's last letter and, and one of uh, John Phelan's uh, last letters on display here in, in the cells. So if it's okay now, I'm going to uh, recall John's, John Murphy's last letter to his mother. Military Barracks, Kilkenny, 28th of December, 1922. Dear mother, just a line, the last I shall ever write you. John Phelan and myself are to be shot at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, so this will be the last time I shall write to you. Dear Mother, do not be downhearted. God is good. I am sending a brooch to you in memory of me, and I am sending the cigarette case to Ned. I am sorry I did not get a chance of meeting you all. I was with Pat until this evening, Thursday. And so far, he does not know what is about to happen us both. Give my love to all my friends, and to Kitty, Bill, Sarah, Tessie, and Ned, and also to Pat. The priest is coming in this evening, and God is good, don't worry. I am dying a soldier's death. I will draw to a finish, as it's dark and I can't see what I am writing. I do hope this news won't cause too much trouble. Cheer up all, keep a brave heart, you will not help me by worrying. 
I do not mind my end so much, but poor feeling leaves a wife and three children. Goodbye, mother, brothers and sisters, with best to all, from your loving son, John. P.S. I am quite satisfied to meet my God, volunteer John Murphy, Kilkenny, Number 2 Brigade. And a massive thank you to Larry Scallon for that tour of James Stevens Barracks Prison. We'll be hearing from Larry again very soon on the programme as we explore the museum and grounds of the facility. Right now, it's time for another commercial break, but don't go away. We'll be back with filmmaker Kevin Hughes next. The History Show on KCLOR. With thanks to the Heritage Office of Kilkenny County Council and the Commemorations Unit of the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaeltacht, Sport and Media. just going to make another adjustment. Is that better? Free hearing aids with PRSI at Specsavers. Music to your ears. Find out more online. Terms and conditions apply. Considering your future career and higher education options, Ormond College of Further Education may be your perfect solution. Located in the heart of Kilkenny City, providing courses that deliver work-relevant skills and progression routes to a host of third-level programmes. Visit the Ormond College of Further Education Information Day this Friday, September 9th, 9.30am to 2pm. Skip the wait and get yourself ready for winter before everyone else. Anyone can book a gas boiler repair from Board Gosh Energy with our qualified and trusted service engineers for just €99. Euro. Get ahead of the queue this winter. Book your boiler repair today at boardgoshenergy.ie slash services. T's and C's apply. €99 Euro upfront payment covers first 30 minutes of labour. Where applicable, additional costs for labour and parts are charged. See boardgoshenergy.ie for more. The Euromillions Mega Draw is back. And it's really big. It's actually massive. This Friday, September 9th, the Euromillions jackpot will be a guaranteed 130 million euros. It's just too big to miss. Play responsibly, in-store, in-app or at lottery.ie. The National Lottery. It could be you. Tuesday nights from 6. This is KCLR's History Show. You're very welcome back. Now to the world of film. Kevin Hughes is a Kilkenny-based filmmaker and his filmography includes some historical-based pictures based on real-life events in Kilkenny from the past. Kevin has made short films such as Jackie, telling the story of Jackie Brett from Mullinahone, a member of the West Kilkenny Flying Column who died following an accidental shooting at Donovan's of Castle John. To avoid being found, Jackie was firstly buried in Lamogue graveyard but was later moved to Mars Farm at Cusan for fear of his body being discovered. Among Kevin's other work is a film that he made in the early 90s titled The Flower and the Rabbit. Set in the trenches of World War I, this is the story of a love letter from a girl to her sweetheart on the front line and how three soldiers, English, French and German, come into contact with the letter and the tragic events that follow. At the present moment, Kevin is making a short film called Dear Mother, telling the story of the execution of John Phelan and John Murphy at Kilkenny Barracks, based on the letter written by Murphy to his mother that we heard a little bit earlier. We're going to hear a bit more about that film now, and the background research that Kevin has been undertaking in preparation for its release. You'll also hear some snippets snippets from Kevin's work throughout. 
Kevin, first of all, can you tell us a little bit more about the film Dear Mother? Sure. It's it's a, a short film and it's set in 1922 uh, in Kilkenny. And I was researching stories in the area that were connected with the Civil War. And I came across this story of two men who had broken into a house near Bennis Bridge. Um, Sheastown House is the name of the house. And it's actually down the road from where I live myself. So it was a bit of a personal connection there as well. And uh, their names were John Murphy and John Phelan. And they stole some money um, from this house. Uh, but they were they were reported by the owner of the house, which would have been uh, Mr. Shea. And they were caught um, a few days later and they were um, basically brought into Kilkenny and they were court-martialed and both of them were sentenced to death. And basically, this is the film. This is the story of that. The film is the story of their last couple of days, actually, um, in Kilkenny in the barracks and then their execution. And uh, the whole story is built around this letter that John wrote to his... um, to his mother and um it's basically it's informed by that letter it's a quite emotional simple letter that um they have records of and it was uh, the simplicity of the letter i found very appealing because it was wasn't emotional in the sense that it was pleading for his life or anything it was quite a, a, a calm letter a letter of acceptance and uh, a patriotic letter as well, because he believed in the fight they were doing. Um, but it was also interesting in that it was quite a spiritual letter and that he was quite calm about dying and accepting his fate. And he had faith, faith in God. So he was going to meet his maker in his own mind. And that what was really appealing about that as well, another thing that was appealing about was that the language was very simple. And it wasn't... Um, very hard to see the man through the words, see the, the conviction of him and also the emotions of him. Because it's a very hard thing and it must have been very difficult trying to write this one page letter to your mother the night before you were to, to die and try and put in that some element that probably would be his legacy. It's it's an, an existing document, a document that's a record of an event, an emotional record of an event that, to a large extent, triggered my interest in the story and uh, was my way in as a filmmaker and a storyteller. Why did you want to tell this particular story, Kevin? Well, it's about resonance. How does the story resonate with you? And um, this story resonated with me almost immediately once I read the letter. I mean, stories come at you from all places. They don't necessarily, um, you they don't necessarily come from where you expect. In this case, because I had done a film last year called The Reburial of Jackie Brett. Respect. This whole thing is on your little war game. No. It was me. I killed him. It was an accident waiting to happen. You were just sucked into the middle of this. Don't blame yourself, lad. I pulled the trigger. Yes, you did. You killed him. I was in that zone, you know, the Irish history zone. And I, I'm, because it was there, you find yourself swimming in a pool of um, ideas and history. And there's lots of stuff popping up and down in that pool, for want of a metaphor. And you just, some stuff connects with you. And this story connected with me. And 
you know, I wouldn't be a historian, but I would be interested in history, no more than most people are. And I suppose we want to find a window to history that feels like it's real, that we can connect with history in a way that affects us. And this story connected with me and this this particular element connected me. And hopefully the reason I wanted to do it as well is I wanted the audience to connect with as well and reflect on our own history, learn from it and also appreciate it because this is part of who we are. The events in the past are the foundation to the nation and whatever that means, because that's an abstract concept. But it's also the foundation of our lives because the people in the past are what connect us. You did it. And now the family name forevermore will be known as the family that killed the great football hero, Jackie Brett, and survived the slaughter in Croke Park. I need to die at the hand of my own son in a hundred years. This is what we'll be remembered for. Take it easy there, John. What's it to you? You uh, big mouth, Paddy Lee. Yeah? Yeah. That's for God's sake. As a filmmaker, do you think it's important for people like you to help tell these stories? I think it's crucial that we um, we do our bit to connect with the past. But there's stories there. And I, as a filmmaker, I just want to tell stories. And there's very rich stories there. And they're true stories. Now, I put my slant on it because I wasn't there. I wasn't in the room. I didn't actually... And participate in it other than my own impressions of what was going on. So I'm applying a certain creative license to it. But nonetheless, they are stories that we need to tell. It's important for us as a nation to tell them. And I don't mean that in a political sense. I mean that on a, on a who we are sense. Who are we as Irish people? What does that mean? What's our place in history now as well? What are we doing that's forming the future and how will we be um, remembered or will be we be remembered at all? Are we a relevant time, a relevant generation? And I think by connecting with the past, we can sort of put roots in ourselves in the present that could be important for the future. Stop. I'll get you, Lee! John! I'm warning you! John, calm yeah, down! I went too far that time, so you didn't leave. John, don't mind him! Come on, Stop. Stop. Stay back! Stay back! Stop! Fine! What kind of background research did you have to undertake, Kevin, in order to tell this story accurately? Uh, I use Google. <laughs> um, so I, I, I searched stuff online about it. And then I talked to some very interesting people like Larry Scallon, um, who's a, a local historian in the barracks. And he used to be a, an army officer. He was fantastic. He filled in a lot of the elements of the story that I didn't know because he had done some deep research in it. So I talked to him and I um, did my research online, to be honest. Um, there isn't a book about it that I know about. Maybe there is, but I didn't know about it. So I, I took the the germs of ideas and I tried to apply them to the a story that encapsulated the events. So it was really, my research was talking to him um, and talking to other people as well. Anyone that I thought knew a little bit about history and there's like uh, John Joe Cullen there on um, John Street knows an awful lot about history as well. And I had a chat with him and he, he filled me in on some of the events. These are short little chats. You just meet them and you say, do you know this story? And they'd put their slant on it because they would know the story. There's a lot of local interest in history. A lot of people know these stories and it's fascinating to just bash into them. And then they recreated the, the, 
the death of Michael Collins a few weeks back in the castle. And I was at that and I could see just from that the amount of local interest in this kind of a, an event, which is kind of scary in one way because the film has to be authentic, as authentic as they can make it. And I know that a lot of people are going to seek it out and look at it and probably criticise it because everyone has an impression of history. Of course, that's what happens through the lens and the fog of time we see these events. Place yourself over to that tree there in the ditch. Count your steps over and back. Mm. Otherwise, we'll never find this place again when the right time comes. You describe yourself, Kevin, as not being a historian, but is it fair to say that you had to employ some of the qualities of a historian to help tell this story? I'm not sure what a historian is. So <laughs> the answer to your question is I'm not sure. But when you're engaging with something, and this has happened over the years when I'm making films, and particularly period pieces, which would be historic, you find yourself in that world and you get fascinated by the world and the details of that world. So in a way, you do become a historian in that you're taking an interest in history. It's quite specific and it's quite blinkered by the story you're telling. But you, nonetheless, it's fascinating. And it's always very interesting to find all these elements going on around those times. And you become a little bit of an expert in that eras that you're working on. Again, focusing on the elements of the story you're telling. And because you're being so specific as well to the story elements, um, you find that um, you get quite dense history. It's like not a broad history. It's quite, quite, um, quite focused, you know. Um, so that's fascinating. And I do find that's very interesting. And it doesn't go away either because it informs other stories that you want to tell or it, it inspires stories as well. Because when you're in the zone, a period, you know that there's such elements going on and so many incidents going on that there could be other stories in there that you might want to engage with. So it's not from the want of, um, you know, lack of information. There's loads of information out there, but it's it's when you go into the Civil War, for instance, loads of information. It's about focusing the information on the stories that you're trying to tell is the trick. Um, and that's why if I was a historian, I'd probably be more broad about that and more historic about it. But I'm not trying to tell a piece of history. I'm trying to tell a piece of drama. I'm trying to tell a story that should resonate with an audience. So my focus as a historian, Moria, is to tell a story, not all stories. How many? 121 yards, over and back. I make it 100 to the gate. Grenzo. How will people be able to see this film and when? Definitely this year, because this is the year it happened. This is the year of the events. And we're filming still, and and I, we're, the film is being supported by the the centenaries um, project, you know, the decorative centenaries um, project by the Heritage Council and um, the Kilkenny County Council. So they're they're very supportive of the project, and um, so I will be showing the film sooner rather than later. It won't take that long to finish it, to be honest, because the, the hardest part of the film is prepping for a shoot, doing the shoot. But because it's a drama, you're quite specific already in the script of what elements we're going to shoot and what structure they're going to be in. Um, so it, shouldn't, it won't take long to edit it, um, probably a couple of weeks. Um, and then I have musicians working on it as well. I have a very talented musician, Maureen Inglesby, working on it. Um, and she, she did Jackie Brett as well. So the team is waiting in post-production at this very moment saying, when will you get picture lock? Um, so hopefully we should have a big chunk of it done by the end of the month. 
Um, and then we're going to show it as soon as we get a good venue. I mean, last year we showed it in Butler Gallery. The film last year was in Butler Gallery, which was a fantastic venue because it was in the centre of town and people came from all over to see the film. If we could get somewhere like that, that the film could live in for a week or two, it would be great and give people a chance to look at it. The film has been greatly supported by um, the barracks in Kilkenny Department of Defence. They've been fantastic in allowing us access to the buildings and the support inside has been crucial to the film because actually making the film in the place where the events took place resonates. It resonates with me, it'll resonate with the actors as well. And it just makes the film very authentic. It gives it that level, layer of reality that we probably wouldn't be able to create in a studio or in another location trying to dress it like that. So that's very important to the film. And um, as for the audience, I just, I hope they, they, anyone interested in local history should see the film from whatever level, even if they have problems and criticize it, I don't mind. It's about debate. It's about people talking about the past. It's about uh, bringing it up so we can examine it. And we can reclaim it as well, because often history is claimed by academics and politicians and those who have an agenda with it. But they think history belongs to us all. And we all can have an impression of it, no more than I am as an artist or trying to have an impression of it, or a painter could have an impression of it, a poet could have an impression of it. We need to hear all the voices that look at the past and see all these different interpretations of it so we can have a broader view of what history is. And it's not something to be locked in by a particular point of view, but to be explored by all. And I think artists have a responsibility to do that. They can look at history with a particular perspective that might necessarily be one that people would normally be exposed to. So that's a, an angle on history that could be insightful. Um, and possibly open up layers to the past that we don't normally get a chance to explore. And a big thank you to Kevin Hughes there, recounting his historical filming projects and the upcoming film Dear Mother, which is due to be released next month, and we'll be sure to remind you of that film release when it does occur. It's time for our last break of the evening, but do stay with us because we're going to be hearing some of the famous Irish peasant songs of 1922 when we come back, and some of them you might just recognise. Don't go away. Exploring the lives and events of 100 years ago in Kilkenny. The History Show on KCLR. With thanks to the Heritage Office of Kilkenny County Council and the Commemorations Unit of the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaeltacht, Sport and Media. The History Show on KCLR, a 10-part series on KCLR every Tuesday from 6pm. The greatest aspect of him in the Irish, uh, the Irish uh, Civil War seems to be applying for the pension afterwards, which seemed to be a process that went on for about 25 years. I'd love to find out more, so if anyone does know anything more about any of that, I'd, I'd always be interested to learn more. You know, a scary time and it's something that Kilkenny maybe wouldn't have liked in the history books to, um, you know, be the place where the Irish Civil War started. So anyway. Join KCLR on this discovery of Kilkenny 100 years ago every Tuesday night from 6pm. The History Show on KCLR. With thanks to the Heritage Office of Kilkenny County Council and the Commemorations Unit of the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaeltacht, Sport and Media. With everyone looking to shrink their bill these days, Dunn Stores gives you new ways to save on your shop with double savers. First, you'll save in the aisles when you fill your trolley with fantastic low prices across thousands of great products. Then, you'll save again at the till with our 10 or 50 grocery voucher. 
Shrink your bill with Double Savers. New from Dunn Stores. Dunn Stores. Always better value. Terms and conditions apply. Voucher can be used on next grocery shop of 50 euro or more. Students, now that all the hard work has paid off and you're ready to start your next adventure, ElectroCity has all the technology you'll need for your best year yet. Get the best deals on Asus laptops. Save €150 Euro on the Asus high-spec Core i5 laptop, reduced to 549 The high-spec powerful Asus Core i7 laptop with 8GB RAM and 512GB solid-state drive. This is our best laptop deal ever at an amazing 649 Call in store today and get the best choice, the best advice and always the best price on the complete range of Asus laptops. ElectroCity, Carlo and Kilkenny and online electrocity.ie There are silent conversations that happen on our roads every day between drivers and older pedestrians like me. When we catch each other's eye to say, do you see me? Or I'm crossing. But when people don't look out for each other, those connections can be missed. And so can I. Too many older pedestrians are being killed on our roads. When we look out for each other, we keep each other safe. Please look out for older pedestrians. From the Road Safety Authority, visit rsa.ie. Kilkenny, 100 years on. KCLR. The History Show with John Moynihan. And you're welcome back to the fourth and final part of the History Show. We've spoken before on this programme about the music of 1922 in Kilkenny, particularly when it came to marching bands and pipe and flute bands. But what of the popular music of the time? Well, much of the popular Irish and traditional music in 1922 was written in the Irish language. According to the book Irish Peasant Songs by P.W. Joyce, published in 1922 by the Talbot Press in Dublin, Irish songs written in English were considered inferior for the good reason that the songwriters were only in perfectly acquainted with English, while they were quite at home in Irish. Our Anglo-Irish peasant songs are, in fact, for the most part, poor and worthless. But not all. This book has selected from a vast collection and documented the words and lyrics to some of the most popular songs. Let's have a listen to some of the popular peasant songs of 1922. It was early, early, all in The birds did whistle and sweetly sing Changing their notes from tree to tree The Croppy Boy, performed here by Liam Clancy, was a great favourite in the southern and southeastern counties. The words date back from 1798, but the song's air is much older. all in the night the yeoman cavalry gave me a fright. The Rambler from Clare, sung here by John Doyle, is a 1798 song, still very popular in 1922, which tells its own story. It was very popular in Munster in particular at the time. The author suggests that there's some disagreement as to the air of the song, as another songbook has the same lyrics printed but different music. To the county to roam, for among the pretty maidens they used me well there, and they called me the stranger and the rambler from Clare. Was then I enlisted in the town called Fermoy, but so many masters I could not comply. I deserted next morning, the true tide declare, and for Limerick town went a rambler from Clare. 
I made my way then to the town of Tralee, where I fell a court and young Sally McGee. Well, I first gained her favour and then left her there, and now they're in search of the rounder from Montclair. Handsome Sally, performed here by Brian Byrne in 1973, is a pretty ballad according to the songbook's author, who learned the song from constantly hearing it being sung at home during his childhood. The author believes that the song commemorates a real event. As she walked out to the shady And we'll be reviewing some other Irish peasant songs popular in 1922 again shortly here on The History Show. That's just about it for this evening's episode of the programme. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you'll join me again at the same time next week. As always, feel free to contact me at any time on our email address, thehistoryshow at kclr96fm.com. But until next week, it's a very good evening from me. Thanks for inviting me into your homes. Stay tuned for Fully Loaded with Owen Carey. And until next Tuesday from me, John Moynihan, it's good night and God bless. Your waiting maid. If this be true that you tell to me, a bitter pill I will Turning the clock back to 1922, you're listening to The History Show on KCLR with thanks to the Heritage Office of Kilkenny County Council and the Commemorations Unit of the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Gaeltacht, Sport and Media. The KCLR text line 083 306 9696 Sponsored by dinnersready.ie Ideal for students back in college 056 776 9890 or dinnersready.ie School's back, so you'll probably want healthy snacks that can fit in a lunchbox. Luckily, Lidl has bags of savings on fresh fruit, like loose easy peelers only 19 cent, fun-sized pink lady apples just 99 cent, and snack carrots at a bite-sized 49 cent. That's big discounts in small sizes. School days cost less at Lidl. More for you. The Euromillions Mega Draw is back, and it's really big. It's actually massive. This Friday, September 9th, the Euromillions jackpot will be a guaranteed 130 million euros. It's just too big to miss. Play responsibly, in-store, in-app or at lottery.ie. The National Lottery. It could be you. You might think you know the wild Atlantic way, but maybe it's time for a closer look. Stand tall at the towering edge of the world and discover adventure, rugged and wild. Leap from the mainland with an escape to Valencia Island 
or take a bite out of sparkling city life in Galway before finding sanctuary among the wilderness of Wild Neffin Ballycoy National Park. The Wild Atlantic Way, yours to explore. Keep discovering at discoverireland.ie. It's almost seven o'clock. If you've a tyre emergency this evening, Philip Ireland Tyres, Killeen Hill are available 24-7. Save the number 056 977 Across Carlo and Kilkenny and worldwide at kclr96fm.com. KCLR News. It's seven o'clock. This is Ken Murray. Good evening. The Environment Minister says he's hopeful a proposal from the European Commission will help to cut rising energy bills. It comes as the government...